welcome to Decoded. My name is Sydney Lai. And may I offer you a smorgasbord of other episodes to check out, right? So if you want to nerd out about, gosh, a Netflix episode, we have one for that. If you're building a financial banking application, check out the episode with Tim. I would say there's really great conversations with devs this season about different types of approaches to building hard infrastructure, may it be for financial tools, video integrations, so on and so forth. And I think that's the main thing. And and if you want to learn more about how I typically build, I use OutSystems. OutSystems is a IDE for building web and mobile applications on the enterprise level. So there's tons of different teams, such as anywhere from car manufacturing to like logistics to, again, banks who are building their applications. Feel free to do that. And if you need a video walkthrough, boy, do I have videos for you. Check out Decoded on YouTube. We have step-by-step tutorials on how we build and ship awesome, awesome demos. And with that, let's jump right in. So I never really thought about notifications until I was actually introduced to the Twilio API. And one of the first ways I was able to look at notifications, it really came from the consumer standpoint. And when I became a developer, I then really started to think about how notifications were designed and implemented away or separate from just the consumer. So I'm, I'm really excited to introduce Troy Good from Courier. Troy, thank you so much for joining today. Let's talk about notifications, man. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Sydney. Thanks for having me on. I'm, I'm always excited to talk about, about notifications, especially thinking about it certainly from the consumer side. But I think there's a lot that developers need to think about from their side. And yeah, like always, always happy to jam. I think my biggest question is, how did we get here today? Because even from, (laughs) even from maybe a consumer side or a developer side, which is, I'm embarrassed to say, I don't really look at my notifications anymore. There's only a few that I really, really look forward to. And I think this actually poses this weird sad problem as a developer because I'm designing something and I know even as a consumer, I'm like, why, how am I building this if I even myself don't even look at it, right? Yeah, yeah, completely. Well, just first, like we can define what a notification is, right? Because I think for a lot of folks, when they hear the word notification, I think today that has become kind of synonymous with push notification, mobile push, right? Which is Not fully accurate, right? Like, obviously, that's one of the primary ways we get a ton of notifications. And I think has more recently become one of the main channels we're starting to ignore, right? But when I say notifications, I really mean, you know, you mentioned the Twilio API, for example. Twilio is most famous for sending SMS. SMS can be a notification, right? Email can be a notification, right? You get a reset password email. That's a notification, right? I get notifications in Slack, So there's a lot of different channels you could potentially receive notifications on. So it's not just mobile push. But I think mobile push really changed the game because historically, right, we looked at notifications, you know, before mobile push, it was really just email. Because before mobile push, we also didn't have, Twilio didn't exist, so we couldn't programmatically send SMS. So as a developer, really the only channel available to us was email. And email has always been, for a very, very long time, longer than most of our professional careers, been a channel that was already inundated with spam and too many messages, right? So it's been something we've had to, as consumers, 
control and deal with. I was, I was going to say, like, do you think that emails were designed originally as a notification or is it more of a communication tool? You, you kind of see what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. No, you're absolutely right. That it was originally designed as a communication tool, right? But as software went online, right, software needed a way to reach the user. And when we didn't have smartphones, right, and we didn't have programmatic SMS, email is basically the only option. And so that's what, what we went with. But the point is, like, when that happened, we already had tools in place to mitigate some of the problems that come along with email, and right? And that kind of enforced best practices to a degree for software developers where when we were implementing email notifications, we knew, hey, we don't want to land in the spam bucket, right? And here are the best practices to avoid that. But when Mobile Push came along as a new channel, there really wasn't any kind of existing infrastructure to manage my experience as a consumer. And honestly, even today, that's pretty limited, right? I can unsubscribe. So in terms of how did we get there, it's been a march of new notification channels popping up every year, right, for the last decade, you know, starting with mobile push and then going to SMS. And and each of them creates a new opportunity for developers to create new exciting experiences for people, but it also creates an opportunity to screw up and to send too many messages on too many channels or send messages on the wrong channel, or just honestly create this fatigue that I think we are all feeling across all of the different systems that are vying for our attention. Yeah, I think that when we talk about notification design, we think about it from an architectural standpoint, or even a purpose-driven standpoint. So to your point, is the notification an email is it a push notification? Is it a text notification? I, these are these are actually all notifications. You're absolutely right. But I think even to that point, which was now the notification plays a completely different role. And, and now it's it's like, how do we also consider the attention bandwidth in the design of a notification? I mean, if we look at, I, I'm just like jokingly, if you look at the history of notifications, smoke signals right? Like I wasn't alive back in, you know, whenever (laughs) mankind was created, but I would imagine the smoke signals was the notification, right? For villages, tribes, et cetera. And you can only have so many smoke signals or cry wolf. And then it's like, ah, it's just, gosh, what is that? Right. And so I think that when we look at notifications today, I mean, you kind of alluded to this, there's different types of notifications, right? I remember even in 19, gosh, what is it? Like Windows 95, you have this like ding and there's like this blue yeah, pop-up. The, the alert. The mm-hmm. alert, right? Yeah. Right, exactly. So there's like alert-based notifications, transactional, maybe some sort of like marketing FOMO, like, oh, you have, it's in your cart, you better buy it soon. Uh, I mean, I'd love to, I'd love to learn more about like, I guess all the architecture is similar, but the intention is different or, you know, I'd like to hear more of your perspective on that. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, architecture can vary, and it can vary by the intent of the notification, right? We have notifications where the intent is to keep the user from becoming blocked, right? And this would be a notification like, um, let's say you use a budgeting app that's pulling in bank data, right, via Plaid or something like that. And all of a sudden, this happens all the time, right? All of a sudden, your bank account becomes disconnected in Plaid, right? You've got to go re-authenticate. And until that happens, your budgeting app can't pull the data down, right? That would be an example where the budgeting app 
might want to send a notification to the user saying, hey, we can't talk to Bank of America anymore. Click here to come back in, reauthenticate, and then, and then we're good to go. Otherwise, we can't do the job that you're asking us to do, right? Authentication-related things like two-factor authentication, reset password, those kinds of things also fall into that bucket for me of what are the notifications that are just really there to make sure that the system does what the user wants it to do. And from a user's perspective, from a recipient's perspective, those aren't the ones that generate fatigue, right? Those are the ones where if I'm not receiving those, I get frustrated, right? Have you ever like reset a password and then had it take like 10 minutes to get that email? That's infuriating and you just can't log in. Oh my gosh, that happened to me yesterday. And I checked my spam folder. I, I, was, cert- I was hunting down that notification and I wanted to understand what was happening or I've also tried to log into other passwords or excuse me, other platforms before in the past. And then you just wait and you wait. And then 10 minutes later, it's like, oh, here's your login. What is that? Like, why is it so delayed? Yeah, well, there's a lot of potential reasons. Like, so when you're sending email, email is an old, old technology, right? Older than many of us. And so it was built in a different way than modern channels. And so typically when you're sending email as a developer, right? You're setting up an outbound email service provider. And SendGrid is probably the most popular. Postmark and Mailgun are two other great choices here. You've got others, MailJet and SparkPost and many, many others. There's like literally hundreds of these. But you're setting one of these up and they're basically the system that's going to send email on your behalf. You typically don't, you, you know, you might have Gmail, you might have Google Workplace or, or Workspace rather if you're, a, you know, if, if you're building something on behalf of a business, but that's not what you usually send your products emails from. So you're sending it from SendGrid, let's say. Well, you send that API call to SendGrid, it queues it up, right? Depending on the plan that you're on, like they might queue it up longer because they might have an influx of other requests from other customers. And but eventually your message will make its way through the queue. And then it gets sent along a stream of servers to eventually connect to your recipients downstream server. Let's say you're using Gmail, that's gonna be the Google email servers, right? And until that whole chain of events happens, that recipient's not going to be able to see that message. The servers in between that chain can actually create a lot of additional lag here, right? And so this is one of the things that the outbound ESPs have to spend a lot of time on is making sure that they know how to route these notifications to kind of shorten the time to inbox. So there's actually a lot of things that can go wrong here that can cause that delay, but there doesn't have to be that delay. So one of the ways to address this latency issue Could it be building this on a serverless backend then? There could be. And what we do sometimes see is latency introduced by the architecture of the app you're building, of the product you're building. And in that case, yeah, absolutely serverless or something like it could help. We're actually, the company that I founded is, is built on serverless technology. I'm a huge fan of it. You don't need serverless technology to be able to send a message without... 10 minutes of lag, but I think it is a great choice for when you have the need to dynamically scale up for these kind of evented things that are happening where it's like, oh, now we need to send a bunch of these all at once. And we don't want to have just like one little you know, Rails worker sitting there, like slowly turning through a big backlog. So I have to say something that I really want to get to know is when you were a developer, what happened to you where you said, this is going to be my life's mission? <laughs> to make notification not just more palatable, but redesign the way companies or developers are able to build better 
architecture formations for notifications, right? Because I mean, this is no one just wakes up one day and is like, I'm going to tackle notifications. It's something happened, right? Yeah. And look, notifications aren't particularly sexy, right? They're not something that developers build because they want to build notifications. They tend to be something that you need for your product, but it's not the point of the product, right? And so they often are underinvested. In. And so like the story of how I decided to kind of devote my career to this really comes down to there's really two kind of key moments. One was I was a CTO of a startup. I was leading a, a team that one of the products that we were building had a real-time chat component to it. And we took a lot of inspiration from Slack. And I think Slack doesn't do notifications perfectly, but it does it quite well in that there are a few different channels that you are potentially going to be notified on, and they're intelligent about which of those channels to use and when. So let's say you and I were in the same Slack workspace, and you said at Troy, you know, hey, you want to go grab a coffee? Well, Slack's only valuable to you if I know that you asked me, right? And if I know that pretty quickly. Likewise, Slack's only valuable to me if I know that. If I log back in a week later and I'm like, oh man, sending wanted to grab coffee, that's not helpful. So at mentions in particular need a notification component. So we were building something not quite as complex as Slack, but that had that, that need, that at mention notification. And we had a few channels available to us. We had in-app notifications showing a notification inside of the product experience. We had a mobile push app, so sending a mobile push notification was an option for us. And we had email as an option. And so we started with email because it's honestly, it's the easiest thing to send. The problem is that the lag time, even if you're doing a good job building the infrastructure to send the email to the ESP, you're still potentially talking minutes before the recipient receives the email. And that's just baked into the email protocol, right? Sometimes it'll be fast, sometimes it's not. There's very little you can do about that, and it's going to vary based upon the recipient. So that we didn't love. People were getting the email after it was relevant to them. So we said, all right, well, maybe we should send in-app or mobile push. But what we didn't then want to do is send it to all three channels at the same time. Slack does this really well. They say, hey, is Sydney already online inside of our product? If, and is she already talking to Troy? Because if she's already talking to Troy, don't let her know about this app mentioned. She already knows. She can see it with her eyes. But if she's not, if she's talking to Christina or somebody else, now send her, show her an in-app notification because she's already in the product. Don't ring her phone. Don't put something in the inbox that she's going to have to archive later. But if she isn't in the product or she's idle, right, well, maybe we do send a mobile push. But what if she doesn't have the app installed? Well, then we'll send an email. So they, they're looking at what they know about you and what they know about you right now, and saying, okay, what's going to be the best experience for Sydney? Wow. So it's a very adaptive way to approach notifications. And I think you're actually right. When I think of Slack, most people use it as a communication tool. But I think to your point, what they really revolutionized or really brought to the forefront is the different ways to notify you. And and it's almost like a notification app. I mean, I, if, as you're just discussing this, I'm thinking, that's right. There's this click, click, click sound when someone, if you're away from the window and that means someone had just messaged you on Slack because they know that your, your Slack is open on the background. It's running in the back, you know, running in the background or there is the visual component. So now they just touched your ear. Now the visual component notification, which is the little red, red, like one, two, three unread notifications. Then there's a notification of the app mention where then they pull almost like an inbox or a feed of your most relevant notifications. And then that's, again, the, another 
another visual, another visual, which is different than a visual cue, such as the red. And so then coming from your perspective, which is what kind of notification structures were you tackling before where it wasn't working? And then, and then what is like, what is your vision to kind of reshaping or delivering such crucial information, essentially what you said to the forefront of the end recipient? Well, yeah. So this was the kind of inciting moment for starting Courier was wanting to build something that worked as well as Slack and saying, maybe there's even ways to improve upon that. But then realizing that my team really needed to be focused on the core business value for the product that we were building at the time, which wasn't notifications, right? And it became one of those things where we knew what the right experience for the end user was and just didn't have the time to build it, right? And so that was kind of the inciting incident for, okay, I'm going to build this one last time, right? So that, you know, all the developers in the world that don't want to actually have to build this, or maybe even if they know and like are academically interested in, in building it, they don't have the budget and time to spend that much time building it, right? So that was kind of one. And then really quickly, one other kind of inciting incident that kind of happened around the same time was I was working on some side projects. I love to have side projects to try new technologies, to you know, keep my skills sharp. And I was working on one, and at one point I just needed to send an email notification. And it had been a couple of years since I had set it up because I'd been previously using kind of my company's email servers. And so I was starting one from scratch just to send a basic like welcome email. And I just got really frustrated by how much time it took, right? I had to go set up a SendGrid account. I had to go edit DNS records to add DKIM and SPF and DMARC records, right? I had to warm up the IP address. I had to go figure out how to build a template that would look reasonable in Outlook. And like, it was enormous. And like, I I remember like at one point I just stopped and I just didn't send the message I wanted to send because I was like, this is this is a side project. I don't need to do this. And it's that part's not fun for me. So I'm just not going to do it. And I was like, man, this should be a lot, lot easier. This should be as magic as the Twilio API is for sending an SMS. But all of these different channels have all their like unique quirks. And it was dispiriting as kind of a hobbyist developer. And so kind of combined those two things together and said, is there a way to make like the easiest way to get started with notifications regardless of the channel? And is there a way to then scale up so that a more mature product can have the user experience that they want without investing hundreds or thousands of engineering hours. Yeah, I think that this narrative actually reminds me a lot of why even just as an example, Stripe was created. Developers didn't want to again and again and again and again build a payment integration from scratch again, right? And so as you saw some of the friction points that you came across, you know, you just mentioned that one of the things that you really wanted to create and build into the way we as developers design notifications or implement notifications is through the scaling process. So are having that in mind. So then is that the reason why you decided to build this serverless or let's go into that? Like why, why that technical decision? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Great, great question. So we were serverless from the beginning and a part of it long before Courier, I worked I had a company called Eloqua, which was a leading email market automation company. And so I saw what was needed to send billions of messages a month, right? And we did not have serverless at the time. We didn't even have AWS at the time. AWS existed, but we were still on-prem. And I knew that I did not want to undertake the kind of build-out that was necessary for that. And, and as, as a messaging company, right, we have to design for peak scale, right, not average scale. So if you're building a, not to be diminutive, but like a CRUD app, a forms-based app, right? 
it's kind of sometimes okay if like the thing slows down a bit under peak load, right? You you obviously want to mitigate that to a certain extent, but you're going to have your minimum load, maybe the middle of the night, nobody's online. You're going to have your peak load. You're going to have your average load and you can kind of target average load. For messaging systems, you have to always basically be there to support max throughput, right? So if a customers don't, let's make it easy. Let's say that a, we have a customer who sends 24,000 messages a day. Well, that does not look like 1,000 messages an hour, right? It looks like 0, 100, 18,000, 12, right? Like it's these huge peaks and valleys. And that's where serverless is really best in class is being able to set something up that can dynamically scale for you throughout the day without manual intervention. Uh, And that's worked out incredibly well for us. I think your point of calling out that it needs to be dynamic is so you absolutely nailed it. You absolutely nailed it. And I think that one, it's, you can also imagine this is also a mindset, right? There's some people who are really against or for serverless. So I think when it comes to building notifications, what, what would be the mindset or the approach for that? Because we, we talked about, you know, really the end user and then also having designing this for scale in mind. I think I'm just going to reflect on myself. I think oftentimes I think of, Hey, I'm going to build this one. What is the easiest library to integrate a notification? Once I do that, then what ends up happening is like, Oh, the user use it. Okay. This actually doesn't work as well as I thought it would. (laughs) So then I go back to the drawing board, right? Yeah. You're you're laughing because you totally know what I mean. You go back to the drawing board. It's like, all right, what, what was the intention again? How, okay. How are they using this? All right. How then you start to pivot. And then your app starts to grow and then you're like, oh, right. Okay. So then this needs to scale. Right. So I think that when it comes to a holistic approach of designing for notification, what is that mindset? Well, maybe like if I zoom that question out a bit more, I would, I would say pick the right tool for the right job, but, but also like think about what is your primary job. And obviously for Courier, our primary job is notification. So we designed the architecture to be what's best what's the best possible architecture for sending notifications. But like, honestly, you know, courier aside, if you're building again, like more of like a traditional forms based app, like for something in B2B or like even a simple B2C product with where you're not expecting like these huge spikes in demand, like serverless is not a slam dunk. Everybody should use a technology in my opinion. Maybe it will get there one day, but I, I think most people probably are better off with like a, Ruby on Rails app or pick your poison for your preferred language. But like just find the, the tool that makes building your product vision easiest. Right. And even if that then creates some like scale friction down the road, like that's something to solve later. There are certain products like ours where you have like scale is a part of the service you're providing, right? And if that is a part of the value that you're providing to your customers, then I think serverless can make sense depending on what your expected usage pattern looks like. That's a really good point. Do you think that scale is always addressed, or I should say, is scale always correlated with mission-critical notifications? Or could there be an example of scale, maybe just Facebook as a consumer product? Oh my God, well, I mean, yeah, Facebook would have like... I mean, yeah, <laughs> scale scale would be in pretty intense there. No, look, scale is not necessarily related to mission criticality, right? There's, you've got scale, and then you've got reliability. 
And those are two very different things. You can have a lot of scale with low reliability, and sometimes that's desirable. You can have a lot of reliability with very low scale. That's often desirable. It's very tough to have both, but also possible. So an example of, you know, we have customers who are pretty far along, like very sizable companies making significant revenue and sending very low scale in notifications, very, very low scale. But those notifications are mission critical, right? None of them can be lost. Each one of them is high value both to our customer and to their customers. And there they care about like redundancy and failover and and reliability, right? Make sure every one of these gets delivered. If you have to retry them later, if you have to send them on a different channel, whatever it might take, you know, maybe even having multiple email service providers and routing between them. So that would be how you might architect your platform. If you if you have a platform where you don't think you're going to have a ton of scale, but your notifications are super important, then you might want to start looking at technologies that will help with the reliability side. On the other hand, you've got, especially on the B2C side of things, often you'll see tremendous scale very early in the lifetime of the product, right? If you find product market fit in B2C, you can, you can blow up quickly. And I don't want to paint with too broad a brush, but not all of those notifications are super important. <laughs> and so maybe at that point, when you're looking at the trade-offs, you say, let's design this for scale and maybe dial down the reliability component here. Also, like, let's say you have, you know, it's kind of like a, let's say you're building like Periscope or something like that, where it's like a B2C, you need to notify a ton of people all at the same time. And maybe Clubhouse to use something a little bit more topical these days, right? And you, you want to let people know, you know, Sydney's going live right now. Well, you want to design for scale. And maybe reliability doesn't matter because Sydney won't even be in line in an hour. So why, re, why keep retrying? Wait, so this is actually, I so hilarious. So Clubhouse, right? I have my notifications turned off, but somehow they bypass every other notification. They should not be able to do that. So then maybe, maybe that's the only app that I have on. It, yeah, I yeah. So, because now we're just talking about witchcraft. So, yeah, what, what is <laughs> right, happening? Yeah. I don't know. I will tell you, I have turned off my notifications for Clubhouse because I think that they are an example of doing it wrong and over notifying and maybe performing witchcraft to get your notifications to your phone, even though it's blocked. I'm not sure, but they are they're on my my naughty list. Ooh, naughty list. Well, actually, let's let's have some fun with this because when you talked about scaling for both B2B and B2C, I think of notifications, again, from a consumer standpoint, even more so than a developer standpoint, because I only deal with notifications, kind of to your point, when I need to, or when I have to, or there's an application that needs to be built. And a lot of applications do, but it just really, I mean, really depends. But I mean, every single waking moment of my existing life from the minute I was born until the minute I'll there's there's gonna be a notification that I'm like buried into, into the ground. <laughs> um, yeah, there's gonna be like a firework. Like, all right, she's gone. But so let's go through some like just like consumer apps. Let's talk, notifications, Instagram, right? So from this example, sometimes it'll be like, oh, Joe Schmo followed you, and I look at this notification and I said, why do I care that Joe Schmo? Or it's sometimes it's almost like. That only would have been relevant if it was 1997 and your friend from grade school was like, oh, Sally Sue followed you. I was like, oh, that's that's really nice. How, how are they doing? But so let's talk about these types of notifications first. Yeah, well, I mean, look, I think there's a documentary going around getting a lot of 
press for for good reason uh, social dilemma that really touches on this. And I think this is notifications are an important part of this particular problem, but the problem is broader and the problem is a small set of very influential consumer focused products hyper optimizing for short term engagement and doing that in a way that's frankly not healthy for their users or in my opinion, our entire society. So notifications can absolutely be used for evil. It's not just notifications, it's things like feeds, it's learning algorithms that are optimizing for unhealthy things. There is a problem there. Frankly, it is pretty limited in terms of who can be problematic. Maybe there's a bunch of people that would love to be problematic, but don't have the user base to uh, support that kind of impact. But yeah, it's um, it's pretty frustrating. Right. And then there's also then transactional notifications, right? So when Amazon, they're about to ship me a package. I mean, there's of course kind of the brain reward system of like, oh, new item, new item, new item. But then there's also, because I live in the city, like, oh, I got to get this package or someone's going to someone's gonna steal my package, right? So that notification I'm actually looking forward to. I think to your point, with a lot of consumer-based notifications, the documentary that you just described is that what the documentary goes through is how do notifications impact your mental health? That's absolutely one part of the conversation and then there's also the transactional one that doesn't really impact your mental health. Maybe, again, maybe if it's like now I'm, it's inducing anxiety because I'm on the train and I'm nowhere close to home and this, this package is going to get stolen. So, so then there's the kind of like the Amazon-based notifications. Have you seen a difference? Like if, if we were to be building notifications, is there, like this is probably too broad of a question, but what works? Is it, is it the SMS ones is it the push notifications? I know for me, at least, I probably look at the SMS ones a lot more. But anyways, yeah. This is ever-changing. And the reason why is, so SMS is actually working really well right now. And unfortunately, we're starting to see spammers and other folks realize this. Honestly, very recently. I would say we're just within the last 60 days. How did they not realize this before? That's, I mean, no offense to them, but that seems kind of obvious. So the, the problem is it's an incredibly expensive channel. So... Sending a mobile push effectively costs you nothing, right? Uh, so if I paint with really broad strokes, you pay about nothing to send a mobile push. But you have to get the user to install your app first. So that's the trade-off there. You cannot send Troy a notification via mobile push unless he's installed your app. But once he's installed your app, you can send that message to him for free. But he can also very easily turn it off in a permanent way. Clubhouse, witchcraft notwithstanding, right? Now, SMS, you just need Troy's phone number and you can send him that message. And it's actually pretty hard for him to block it today. But that costs about 0.75 cents, right? So actually pretty expensive. An email, again, only need his email address, but kind of hard to not land in spam if you don't have a relationship with him. And it costs about a tenth of a cent. So like there are all these different attributes for cost benefit analysis for spammers, but also for us as legitimate businesses to consider when we're deciding, hey, what's what's the right channel for, for our users? So anyway, with SMS, it's because it's a very expensive channel. It hasn't made economic sense for spammers in the past. And so the only SMS notifications that I get, which again, there are some, but it's, it's really Amazon. And I guess Amazon, it's like 75 cents, a billion people. What is that, right? 
It's less than a billion dollars. Not 75 cents, point 75 oh, point cents. Seven, right? Oh, so, excuse me. Yeah, I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. 75 cents, that's a lot. But, um, yeah, yeah, 75 cents would be a lot. And frankly, like, wow, Amazon's okay. not going to be paying 0. 0.75 because there's you can get discounted way down at their scale. But like that's what you and I would pay if we're just kind of signing up for Twilio. Right, right. I see your point. And this kind of, ex- this kind of actually gives me the realization of why we stop using carrier pigeons as a notification tool because it's too expensive to raise the pigeon train the pigeon, find the trainer to train the pigeon, then then like rooms for error. So I don't know. I mean, that, that could be actually be a really good point. So then let's get a little bit more philosophical then. So I just mentioned the carrier pigeon, right? And then we had smoke signals. We used to have, I'm talking about the really weird antiquated messaging devices, just kind of to bring up a point, which is then you also had, right, the messenger on a horse, Right. So, you know, he go up to village like, hey, the British are coming. By the way, did you. Oh, even back in the day, you'd watch an old movie. Right. And it would be like you get a mail and it's like, yes, the enemies are advancing. Take haste <laughs> sure. or something. Right. And then, yeah, and then yeah. I, just, I remember watching this movie and I just be like, wait, so you like mail this letter. It goes on a ship. The ship gets then this notification gets to you in 13 days. And then it's like. Oh, the enemies are coming. And I'm thinking like, how, how does this work? Because you just notified someone 13 days later. And then, so now, see, I don't even know what happens between, I'm sure other notifications came between that and then email. There's something, something happened in between maybe satellites. And then I guess, where are we going? What's after the push notification? Real quick. I think the oldest notification channel is not smoke signals and i think it's actually something that's still in use and i think the oldest notification is hey oh yes yes right absolutely because what what is a notification right notification you could certainly say it's information right the letter but i think more importantly the notification is grabbing attention and that's both the thing we want and the thing we need to be careful of right you wouldn't want a world in which you can't say hey because sometimes you need to get somebody's attention same time, anybody who's spent time around the toddler can know that it can be very annoying if someone keeps grabbing your attention. So notifications aren't going anywhere, but I think that where we are hopefully headed as a society, right, is one where there are going to be more ways for things to grab your attention, and thus there needs to be a way for us as consumers to control that and to be able to be clear around what our preferences are Right. And to make sure that the way we're being notified fits kind of with what we want. Because if somebody just kept haying me all the time in person, I would probably stop hanging out with that person. Right. And so, similarly, I need to have that level of control over the different services trying to buy for my attention. Thinking like, where do we go in terms of new channels? Gosh, you know, I think like, let me give you a short term example and then maybe a longer term example. Like, short term examples. I think are heavily presence related and even long-term are as well. And it's really all about figuring out what channels are available and figuring out what channels are contextually purposeful and relevant to the consumer. Like what, how would they want to be engaged? And so as an example, I fly on United Airlines a lot, or at least I used to pre pandemic, right? And sometimes there would be a gate change notification. And United's actually pretty awful at this. They send me an email, they send me a mobile push, they send me an SMS, all at the same time. But even more strangely, while I'm on a flight that I booked through them, and they should know that I can't actually receive those notifications because I'm not currently connected to, say, their Wi-Fi 
network on their plane, right? But I might have a screen in front of me powered by United Airlines. And like, I wouldn't mind seeing a little pop up, hey, your flight has been delayed at, you know, your connection. So that I can be like, hey, maybe I should plan to stop and get lunch at the terminal instead of like racing to my gate, right? That kind of like, let me think about what's going to create the best user experience and how do notifications play an important role across channels there. That's where I think we're going over the next just few years, right? Like that's that's not far future stuff. My jaw is just ajar because I'm just so emotional about the ability to have such a literal life integration. Because I think to your point, if you're on your your long flight, you're watching TV or whatever it is, why isn't there a pop? And it shouldn't be a pop-up of like, hey, go buy this alcohol in flight. That, that sure. would, yeah, right. Yep. That would be yep. not cool. But yep. if you say, hey, you're because they already know which seat you're sitting in anyways. And then it shows you, hey, your flight has, what is preventing them from doing that? Actually, I mean, honestly, it's just putting in the engineering hours to do it, right? And if you think about United Airlines, are they a software company? Well, they have an app, right? They have probably tons and tons of infrastructure running on God only knows what to maintain the IT systems and internal backend systems for, for their booking systems and for so many things. So they've got a lot of software, but would if you asked the CEO of United Airlines, are you a software company? I don't think that they would say yes, right? And frankly, even when we look at companies that would say us, right, are notifications the things that are that they're, yeah, Domino's, great example, right? Notifications tend to be something for most companies that they invest in up to the point where, like, what's the minimum? What's the minimum we need to do here, right? That's what I think needs to change, right? Because it's the user experience that we engage with products the most in, right? Outside of a few tools that you use throughout the day all day, most of your experience with most of the products you use, software products, is started via notification. And I think it needs to become clearer to folks that that is one of the most important parts of your user experience. Well, as you're saying this, I'm already starting to realize, well, the phone is not just a communication tool. It is also a notification tool. I mean, this seems so obvious, but I guess I just never really sat down and think about this. I, I love that this is probably something you think about all the time. And this is why I'm still just beaming from the, just the realization or the possible future that you could have something as well-designed as, again, just a notification system while you're in flight, as you're watching your TV, because everyone can watch their own shows. Everyone has their own seat assigned and you can say, Hey, Troy, Hey, Sydney, this is your flight to New York or SF or whatever, Seattle. And it'll say, Hey, actually your fly has changed. And I think to your point that it can come, it's just about, are we thinking about it, right? Are we thinking about it? And I think that that is actually a really powerful differentiator because now there's just so many developer tools and stacks and et cetera. It kind of goes back to what is the tooling or the stacks that actually can can reach you? And so my curiosity is that with you and Courier, are you guys looking at the ability to also interconnect? Is your approach in a way being able to connect with various APIs, almost like a Zapier of notifications? I don't know if that was the best example, but but it's not just a holistic approach, but an interoperable approach. Yeah. So we went through Y Combinator and our 
the Y Combinator pitch was segment for notifications, which is just another way of saying Zapier for, for notifications. So you're, you're absolutely right. Our customers plug in the email providers they want, the SMS providers they want, other channels like Slack or WhatsApp or Facebook Messenger. Basically, we are abstracting all of that away from the developer, right? We are trying, what we're working hard to build is a platform that's the easiest way for a developer to send that first notification, but also the easiest way to scale that first notification up, both in terms of complexity of routing it to the right channel at the right time for Sydney and dealing with scale and reliability as their product demands it. So we really want to be that that stripe for communications. And I think that this is a very, it's a very clear example. And and so then it goes back to the original question, which is historically then, or or even before, then you as a developer, you would have to essentially build a whole holistic, multivariable notification system. And now in this path, you can piecemeal what kind of notification is appropriate. Is this kind of the concept? Yeah. Uh, you know, you're were, you were asking like, you know, what's stopping United Airlines from doing this today? Let me rewind and like, let's talk about Twilio for a second, right? So I think Twilio started in 2009 or so. Let's say 2007, if you were wanted to send SMS, right, to like you were a pizza delivery company, you wanted to send a text message to somebody, right? What's stopping you from, from doing it? Nothing. Like Jeff Lawson and his team were able to build this. All it takes in air quotes, right, is going out and building contractual agreements with AT&T and Verizon and dozens of other providers and carriers and then building out the infrastructure to you know connect with each of their different APIs so that you can like know how to send the same message through different APIs and then figure out the routing to figure out okay well if I'm sending a text message to Sydney is that going to go over Verizon or AT&T you can do it we know you can do it empirically because Jeff and his team did it right it's just like the ain't nobody got time for that meme right like you're just not going to and so that's the same thing for us we're just saying hey instead of enabling sending SMS across a bunch of different telecom providers, carriers, we're enabling you to send a message across all of the different channels, right? Whether it just be one channel, right? We're going to be the easiest way to do that or across all of the different channels that might be the way your customer wants to receive notifications from you. All I can say is that this has completely changed the way I as a consumer think about notifications. I mean, now I now I actively think about it and I think this also encourages the way how I should be more mindful of building these as well. Troy Good, thank you so much for joining today. Oh, thank you so much, Sydney. I had a great time. Right. So I will never look at notifications the same ever again because now I can't stop thinking about notifications. I come across them on a daily basis. And, you know, at this point, what I want to notify you about is that if you're working on any kind of projects or builds or demos, why don't you go ahead and reach out? My DMs are open. You can find me on Twitter. You're also able to pretty much easily find me online. But I guess the point that I'm trying to make is if you're a developer, I really want to make sure that I'm able to support you. And if I'm unable to help, I at least know a whole nother community of developers who can at least assist, right? So I'm really, really passionate about finding the right resources and toolings for you so that you can build whatever it is that you want to implement or grow. So I guess that's my invitation for this episode today is, hey, what are you building? Feel free to reach out. Happy to help. 
and let's let's build this together. Let's find some some support and resources to build this. I'm super excited. Feel free to reach out. Thanks again for joining this episode of Decoded.